Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Hi, Jason Gibbs, Joy Production Manager. It's Radiothon time. We still need joy and we need your support. If you appreciate our free podcast service, our voice for the LGBTI community globally, and the volunteers that make our service possible, please sign up, renew your joy membership, or make a tax-deductible donation before June 30 to keep our service possible. You may win a prize. Head to joy.org.au and click on either the Become a Member or Donate tabs to support us. If you appreciate our podcast service, let us know in the comments section when making your donation. Joy Podcasts, where you want them, when you want them, at joy.org.au and on iTunes. Hi, I'm John Oliver, member number one. You're listening to Joy 94.9. Hello and welcome to Been There, Done That on Joy 94.9. It's lovely to have you with us on this celebratory broadcast. I've got a new set of headphones. Lucky you. <laughs> oh, that was a squeaky voice of Gordon. Hello, Gordon. Hello, Chris. And the silence was from? From Phil, who doesn't have new headphones. I've got a new microphone stand. Oh, well, look, you're some, I've just, I'm just here with the usual... I'm going to get jealous. That's fun. <laughs> and can we thank the boys in the band who are just fading away now? But they, they get that song right every week. Do they? <laughs> they do. That's very good, isn't Never it? Never heard them mess up. No, no, I will. I don't like the lyrics, but anyway. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> Been there, done it. It's Joy's history program. Well, we've made it that way because we seem to have discovered a little niche of interesting people, interesting stories, stories that fit our intention of breaking down barriers, of creating a comfort zone, of creating stories that move us to be better and wiser than we already are. And there are a lot of stories to tell about our community too, which has a lot of very interesting people who have done great work and done wonderful, wonderful things. So it's nice to sort of mention them from time to time as well. Oh, definitely. We are pioneers of our own kind and uh, we can learn from others and the pioneers needn't necessarily be older. But we've been around forever. Well, a lot of people are just discovering us now, <laughs> but the the gay community has been around. Well, we're in the Bible. Well, we've been mentioned in the Bible for so four thousand years ago, or something. We must have been it? fairly popular to get in that book. Oh yes, I think so. I think like, all, all things considered, we we are mentioned in lots of places, but um, sometimes very nicely and sometimes not very nicely. And there's a bit of a controversy going on about not very nicely talking about us in there the papers. There was a TV program over the weekend about religions and the role of God and God versus science and and these sorts of things. It was an interesting program where they paralleled all the major religions of the world and there was so much in common. 
Yeah, well, they, 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 most most religions have a huge basic commonality, but they then they vary off into little sort of segments and things. You know, like specialty programs on joy. Yes, that's we right. We start on the gay base and end up some people talk about their pets and yeah, others exactly. talk footy. <laughs> oh, well, talk, well, talk about religion. Football. Well, before you get on to football, religion only exists because man is the only animal that can ask the question why. That's probably true. So other men had to come up with an answer as to why we're here, what are we doing here, where did we come from. So they Dogs don't religion. care. No. Cats don't care. Yeah, well, they, they, one of the things that I read about was the fact that they, they started this business about an afterlife because we, they thought we were higher intelligence animals than the animals that we, dogs and cats and cows and everything. Yeah, and lucky that, we haven't disproved that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, we were, we, we were talking about football just a second ago. Well, we, we were trying to, but you, we got... you tried to, but, but, to get us onto your path. Oh, it wasn't my path. It was the path of the, <laughs> it was the, uh, the great walk to the MCG on, um, Saturday after Saturday evening to watch the Dreamtime match. And there were thousands of people walked from the city to the MCG, including the governor. I saw her on the telly and the prime minister and the, our premier. premier and the leader of the opposition in both cases, state and federal. Yeah. And they all walked to the um, MCG to watch the dream game. Silly people, they could have got off the train at Richmond. It's a much shorter walk. <laughs> <laughs> no TV cameras, though. Yeah, but it, it's uh, it's part of the um, thing that uh, the, the Essendon player that walked from here Michael to, Long. Uh, Michael Long, yeah. It's a, a sort of a memory of that, that, the walk that he did to, to gain recognition for Aboriginal people. Such a long walk, and a lot of people are still walking. Well, I, I got very annoyed i was getting rather annoyed with the um conversation that was going on on the on the television on friday evening about the um Uluru. Uluru. and i was sitting there screaming at the television set saying and they were saying well we'll have to look into this and we've got to do this and that and the other i was saying get it done you've had 50 bloody years you know well get something done now yes well they're fin- finally f- facing up to the fact oh all those fifths uh, Watch those F-words, please. Yes. <laughs> uh, the constitutional alteration mightn't be the best tool. No, but they don't want the, a constitutional well, thing. No? They want they're, the treaty. they're really locking into the concept of treaty. Yeah. And, and, of course, with any of these changes, it's, it's not a matter of enforcing change. It's like the 67 thing was. It was embraced by everybody. Yeah, but you've and, got to have... And that's... Bring the crowd with you. And that's what they're doing now is warming up the conversation and knocking down the skittles for the things that, no, we, we know you can't do it that way. Okay, what can we do? Well, I would like to see it happen before I leave this mortal coil. And it's been 50 years since they had the referendum and nothing much has been done. I'm sorry, I just don't think that that's fair. Not at all. The Indigenous Round in the AFL, was it really put there for prowess in football? Were there any underlying reasons for it there? Was it a pride match of it was Indigenous a, pride? But, but Indigenous pride, I would say, think you'd say, because the, it recognises the ability. And, and, of course, Australian rules football is apparently comes from an Aboriginal game. Well, that they used to They used to kick around a possum skin oh. stuffed with... Oh. Um, 
possum. Possum. <laughs> not with possum, no. They, they, <laughs> they a little squeak in and, every and, goal. And they would kick that around, you know, as, a, as a, like a ball game. Yeah. And, of course, the Australian rules came along and they sort of thought, okay, this is sounds, this looks like a good idea. And another thing about Australian rules football, not many people know, but I did mention it last week, last Wednesday was the anniversary of the codifying of Australian rules football in 1858, which was years before they codified any other football game. We, we, we led the thing over soccer and rugby, mm. so the rugby games and all that. So they never had the rules. No. But Australia was the first one to do it. And it's interesting too that the, the rules of Aussie footy, we'll call it, are being refined and refined and refined from match to match in effect. Which is a bit, a bit difficult for people to sort of come to groups with in lots of cases with when they change the rules to some of these ah, things. But, but there's but, that's the role of the umpire. Yeah. But the I tell you one thing that they did have in the age on Saturday was a map of Australia showing all the indigenous players where they came from and which who they were which sides they were playing for. Mm. It was a very, very interesting map. And there was there seemed to be a lot of people, uh, a lot of uh, indigenous players and they were everywhere. And they came from Central Australia, from Queensland, from Victoria everywhere and they Northern they showed territory. them they, they they had the names and they showed they had a, a mm. line going to where they came from a lot of people come from the northern territory yeah. uh, up in the Tiwi islands and in and in central australia as well mm. it was a very very interesting so i don't think australian rules football would be half as exciting if it didn't have the aboriginal players because they are just so wonderful to watch they are they're terrific absolutely wonderful to watch they just seem to have that they have another vision or something or other it just they just know where the bloke's going to be. Well, they're light on their feet. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they fly. Really great stuff. And it's a good chance for ignorant city folk to actually see what the population of Australia is made of. Yes, exactly. Because yeah. until we had Aboriginals in sport, if you'd lived out in the eastern suburbs, they were just something that you read about. Yes, mm. that's right. You'd yeah. never see one. And, of course, we've and had, they're people. We've had Indigenous people in other sports as well. You've got hockey with... Oh, now I'm going to get... Get me names right, well, up. I'll do tennis with Yvonne Goulagong. Yvonne Goulagong, yeah. And, uh, uh, the, um, Paris. Paris Hilton. Uh, Paris. No, Paris Hilton. Paris. Nova Paris. Nova Paris. Yes. Nova Paris yes. it was, yes. Is that who that's, you were thinking of? Yeah, that's who I was thinking of. She's a hockey player. Paris yeah. Hilton has done nothing for sport. <laughs> Exactly right. Except for your target. Oh. I don't think you should even mention the two words, two two names together. Like one's a very intelligent lady and the other one just sort of ponces around. But I've heard a lot of people have booked into the Paris Hilton. <laughs> In France. In France, oh, yes. sure. <laughs> But wasn't it interesting to see that little bit of a report of the silos at Shepparton. No, they weren't silos. They're pa- painted on the sides of buildings in, a, in an alley, just... in an alleyway in, there's a, a wide alleyway in Shepparton. Oh, nine on, meter. Yeah, nine and they're nine meter high buildings. And they put the, um, the Aboriginal pastor, Sir Douglas Nichols. Sir Douglas Nichols. Nichols. That's right. And then. William Cooper. William Cooper, yeah. Um, I never heard of William Cooper before I read the article about him. He got very upset when the, um, they, with Kristallnacht in yeah. the first or second world war and with the nazis doing everything and he he took a petition to the german embassy here in australia uh, protesting about what they had done wow mm, mm, so a, a very brave man actually for that time of the year that time of the mm. thing you know but i understand that these the murals uh, are first of many that's going to be because they've got actually a got aboriginal a con- street art project that's right yes and they uh, the next two 
paintings that are going up are going to be Aboriginal women leaders, and there's been a lot of them. Yeah. They, and as, the, as one of the ladies that's on the thing, she said, I'm glad that somebody else is picking who they've got to put up there. She said, there are so many that you could choose from, which is, which is true too, because the, the women seem to lead a lot of the um, movements in the Aboriginal community, which is wonderful. They really know what to do. They certainly do. You're with Gordon, Phil and Chris. Been there, done that. Stay tuned because coming up, we'll be talking about Leather Pride. Hmm. And how that features in the gay community. Uh, hugely. Stop that. Hugely in lots of cases, <laughs> I'm sure. We've got Guy Sebastian singing for us. Mind on you, here on Joy. There's two empty glasses on the mattress bottle gun. Melbourne's lovable radio station, Joy 94.9. You're with Gordon, Phil and Chris. Been there, done that on Joy 94.9. You mentioned just before about leather pride. Flags are symbols of identity and are highly meaningful to the people and communities they represent. As we know, the rainbow flag is very symbolic to the entire GLBTI community. The leather community is their own flag. It was designed by Tony de Blaise and he presented his design at the International Mr. Leather event in Chicago on the 28th of May 1989. It was quickly adopted by the gay leather community. The flag is composed of nine horizontal stripes of equal width from the top and from the bottom. The stripes alternate black and royal blue, and the centre stripe is white. In the upper left quadrant of the flag is a large red heart. Sometimes that's actually replaced with a bear footprint to indicate the bear community, which is another subculture of um, the gay community, who've been also criticised for not being gay because they're bulky, hairy boys. And if you've never seen a leather pride flag or a bear flag, go to Pride March. Leather is a subset of the gay community. There are a few people in the community who have the pride in their section of the gay community. Would you call us a diverse community? Oh, what a good expression, <laughs> Gordon. Thank you for it's that. It's better than perverse community, which we're often <laughs> accused of. Yeah, that's right. But leather is a, it, it's a, it's one of those things that you, you are attracted to or you don't bother with. Well, it doesn't specifically, matter. is it a gay thing? Is there a straight? No, oh, there's leather a straight fetish. leather scene as well, apparently. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. they all are under the same flag, so it's identification and, and connection with this subculture. Of, of leather, of, of, yeah. of, the, of the, the smell of leather and the way it works and the way the, the harnesses and all the rest of it. So some of the men, in when they really dressed up with the leather, they look rather cute and very butch-looking. Well, um, it's quite the opposite of how the gay community has been considered as mm. being a bit a fam or girly, mm. and then here's this subgroup within the gay community same sex attracted and they have decided that they'll boldly masculinize their appearance and behavior because it suits it fits their it concepts fits, yeah well this is right there's a huge cost of everything that well leather, it's not drag no it's not drag but leather is a very expensive product so it's not a cheap thing to go into i know in the gay community they have mr leather competitions for oh, yeah. for victoria and then they have the the mr leather australia 
uh, which is a very big thing in the community. They do have their own hotel here in Victoria where they go to too. The Laird. The Laird. If you had a soap fetish, would you go to a lather bar? <laughs> well done. Well done. I, I wonder about you stuff. Wonder, you do wonder about things, don't you, in an odd sort of way. Yes. Yes. We are a little planet. Well, you, you would perhaps be one of those places where they stick to the, flood the room with foam. You'd be in oh, a lather bar. That's a, that's a disco lather bar. <laughs> <laughs> and we had some friends in town recently called the Village People. And in the, what, late 70s, they really helped show how diverse our community is by having a leather man and a policeman and an Indian and all these various not socio-economic groups like but subsets of the yeah. which could have been subsets of our community mm. because the man that formed the village people of course was a gay man himself oh yeah mm. not all the singers were gay no no not, not saying the singers yeah. I said the man that formed them that got them all together he was he was in a gay bar and he saw yeah. something but that something would have been the first time I'd ever seen a leather character mm, mm, mm. and I'm, you would have been very young then um in my teens. Were you? Oh, right. So yeah. I was still had lots to learn, but wouldn't have ever told you. Because <laughs> when you, especially when you're 17, you actually know everything. Yeah. Oh. And you're never wrong, and you can't die. Yes, that's yes, true. Too. Try talking to them. And one by one, all those <laughs> things become lies. <laughs> yes. And uh, you grow up. Reality is not as you thought it was. But hence the song. What is it? I wish I knew what I know now. When I was younger. Yes, that's yeah. right, yeah. But it's the, very hard to say that. <laughs> the, the thing with the Gay Leather Pride, they didn't actually start until about 1940. They come in 40s, apparently. It's likely that it grew out of the post-World War Two Mike Err culture. Well, look at the, what's name, when they rode that, um, the motorbikes, it was the, what was that called? That Easy Rider. Easy Rider, yeah, yeah. They were the big handlebars. Yeah, and they, they did Easy Rider. And then you had, what's name, wore Marlon Brando jacket, you know, which well, was leather with James Dean. We used to sell lots of those when I was working in the disposals business. Exactly, and you that's know. where, it was a sort of World War Two leftovers. Yeah, that's right. They were great jackets for when you ride a motorbike because they had a, a flap that was inside and the other one came across and zipped up so that you had a double thickness of leather on your chest so you didn't have a, you didn't have it got cold in the chest. And yeah. when you fall off, your leather is left on the road instead of your skin. That's right, yes. Yeah. So it has advantages. And now it's a permanent part of our culture, it would seem. It's not actually a place for young guys. I think it's, as you suggest, Phil, that... Once you've reached a little bit more of a mature position in your coming out, that you can cope with the concepts of being in a bar with these big bulky guys. Now, another person that was very, very involved or seemed to be involved in the scene was Tom of Finland. Oh, no. Because some of his cartoon characters, or they were not cartoons, of course, although I suppose they were because nobody could ever be built like some of those things, that he, the men that he drew, they were often in leather gear and they had thing. And, it's, and Tom of Finland is having a birthday this week. Was His was on the 8th of May. Oh, the right. The 8th of May, uh, 1920, he was born. He's already left this world, but yes. what a legacy he left behind because he was qu- pretty good with black and white pen. With, yeah. And these lads that he caricatured were overdeveloped in lots of ways. Oh, every way. <laughs> I, I think exaggerated is probably a more accurate <laughs> term. We're talking about disproportional cartoon. But, but in, often had them in, le- in leather pants or leather... Or out of them. Or out of them, or what have you. Yeah, And it, he became very, very famous, of course. And there's a, there's a museum to Tom of Finland, I think, in Finland, in Helsinki. Who'd have thunk? Who'd have thunk? Of all the places to put Tom of Finland, yeah. put him in Germany, see how yeah. he goes. <laughs>
they'd be right there too. Oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting that the motorcycle riders, even in this day and age, are still adopting what I'll call the style set from yeah, the 1940s. Yeah, the 50, early 50s, I would have say, would have e- been probably the, the more... Even the naughty clubs. Mm, well, mm. You know, when I say naughty, I mean the, the, the criminal element that goes around in mo- motorbike clubs yeah. uh, is dressed in leather with uh, labels wear, on their shirts. But they wear a lot of denim things. rather than leather. Yeah, mm. but the, mm. they have identified themselves as well. But mm. I'm, I'm sure our gay motorbike clubs... There would never be a scuff mark on any of the leather. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> How very dare you? Yeah, but the um, of course, there's a. Not only does it appeal to the men, it also appeals to women. There are a lot of women that are into leather, wearing leather as well, straight and gay. Well, there's they, a lot that are into motorbikes, but no, not so much leather in that sense. But it's the wearing of the leather that makes them feel better, or something or other thing or other. Well, it's a uniform, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it identifies them. No, but but actually having bovine leather against your naked skin is quite a comfortable feeling it's, because it's so flexible. It moves like a second skin. Time for a bit of music, I think, according to the clock. Let's hear Bruno Mars with his latest. You're on Joy. Great shows, great topics, great radio. Joy 94.9. You're with Chris, Phil and Gordon. Been there, done that. Joy 94.9. Thanks very much for being with us. Yes. And thanks for your feedbacks. Yes. Which you can give to us on on the email machine. (gasps) Yes. And you type in when it says... Two. Two. I was trying to think what it actually said. That was a good mental block. Good block out, wasn't it? Yes, you can address the email to beanthere at joy.org.au and that will find us. You, you, we can check it the following day if it comes through. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, and we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. You can ask us a and question. You can, can ask requests, all of which will be denied. If you want to know something about something that you don't know about. Ring don't up, ask us. We will, we will um, investigate it for you, which is a good way to do things. Yes, it, us, it, we'll just go and Google them. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. In our little history program today, we're going to be talking about some people who are out and loud and proud. And you wonder, well, where is the great big mallet that we can hit them with to make them shut up and get back in their little boxes? Don't ever do that. No. We're out. We're not going back in. That's exactly right. I have no intention of going back in behind that closet and looking for Narnia. As Homer Simpson said about the Mustache Day Parade. What's that? We're here, we're queer, get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of the that's vintage men's who were here, we're queer. Um, yeah, something that I can't remember the last of it. But anyhow. It's like we, we're so old, we're, we're here, we can't hear, but we're queer. Yeah, that's something like that. <laughs> what was that again? What was that? Hello? <laughs> Hello? Graham Kennedy was a name within Australian TV and radio, and especially here in Melbourne. And he was very out and very loud and naughty and funny, and is accepted by most people and loved by most people as well. But he never actually came out. 
until he was well retired. Mm. You know, he did, he never ever came out while he was on television or anything like that. But, but by the way he carried on, <laughs> you, you did begin to you wonder. You didn't need to. I mean, the little neon sign was flashing oh, around the, him. The gaydar was just flashing on and off all the but time. didn't they try to marry him off to Lana Cantrell? Lana Cantrell, that's right. Well, yes. she was of our persuasion as well. That's right, yes. And see, we never talked about these subjects at home, but when that topic was in the news. I'm not sure if it was mum or dad, but the comment was, well, that's never going to work, is it? <laughs> <laughs> and I was too young to know what they were talking about. She's, she still works, she works in New, in New York still. She's a, New she's York a, or LA. she's a, a lawyer for artists. She's oh, an artist right. lawyer. Mm, yeah. mm, because mm. she started out her life her public life as a singer. She was a singer. Great voice. Oh, great yes. voice. Went to America. Was very popular and uh, part of the lesbian community over there as well. And she also uh, then studied law. She decided she would study law and she became a solicitor over there, a lawyer, whatever they call them, mm-hmm. an attorney or whatever. And she specializes in artists' law about contracts and uh, copyright things. Terrific. Mm-hmm. And why are we talking about Graham Kennedy at this particular time? We're talking because he, although he was born on the 15th of February 1934, he died on the 25th of May 2005. In not particularly pleasant circumstances, no, no. he he declined quite badly and yep. he was an oldies home and... Mm, um, mm. Yeah, but the, became befuddled, I think. Yeah, and they had a. But his uh, funeral was very, very well attended by all the luminaries of the time, who um, went to pay tribute to the man that really gave them a. He gave so many people a start on television too, with the people that he used to put up onto the uh, program onto in Melbourne tonight. He pushed the barriers. He pushed no. He he exceeded, went beyond the barriers. Sometimes he exceeded the limits of what was accepted TV behaviour. He pushed the Packers. Oh, yeah. They didn't it. like him at the end. Yeah, but the but the, the funny part about it, he if he was doing an advert for something, he would absolutely destroy the product. But it didn't matter. The people the people that he was destroying the product for said, that's great, because they, their sales just boomed. Well, it was name-dropping. Yeah, he's just amazing. Yeah, he said they'd pay for 30 seconds and get five minutes. That's right, yeah. Because yeah. he just he'd do anything he could to, to drag it out. That's right, yeah. And most of it was just... Silly slapstick funniness. Yeah, and there's there's one of his sayings is still used around the place as well too. It's a joke, Joyce. Oh right, yes, that's where it came from. That's where it comes from from oh. a skit that he used to do with um, Rosie uh, Rosie Sturgis, and uh, they were two old people, and he'd be sitting there with you, he'd have a bald wig on and all the rest of it, and he'd say, "It's a joke, Joyce," and that's where the saying comes from. But he had a limited repertoire because oh, in yeah. that character he would frequently be eating spaghetti yeah. and oh i don't know if it was almost every week but there'd be a spit take involved <laughs> where spaghetti would go flying everywhere <laughs> either that or the bowl went somewhere yeah. yeah we don't have television like this anymore we need that. we need it we yes do. well if you can't get it on tv you can probably get it on your tube YouTube. or whatever mm. it is one on, of those on things the computer yeah. world. yes i never have time to watch those things i'm afraid <laughs> I'm afraid that if I got opened one up, I would have to keep watching and watching and watching and just... There's only so many cats playing piano you can watch. <laughs> oh, no, I mean grabs off of GTV9. Oh, okay. Graham From their Kennedy archives. Show. Mm. With Bert Newt. With Bert, yes. Bert's getting on his, in his, these days too. And yeah. sadly, a lot of those shows wouldn't exist because they were live. Well, that's right. There's very they didn't few. have recording mm. in the early TV days. They didn't have videotape. 
So you mean they actually had to go live to air? Live to air. And they couldn't bleep out anything? No. Oh, how risky is that? It's almost like us doing radio. But see, this was the 60s, so they... There weren't many people trying to break the rules. No. That Graham was probably the one who, bent when he'd had he, enough, he didn't break them. Yeah. He sort well, of he was trying them. to get fired, really. Yeah. yeah. Well, he was I, trying to get out of his contract. Yeah. Well, that's only at the you end. Do that towards the end. Yeah. 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 But he, it, his blankety blanks show when he was on blankety blanks. God, that was so funny. When he was naughty. He was fair. With all innuendo. Double, right? double entendre, actually. Yes. It could have been, are you being served? <laughs> Just at a different location. <laughs> Someone else uh, was sort of out loud and proud. Born on the 25th of May, uh, 1959. He's young. Yeah. Well, he is young. Julian Clary. Hmm. The UK comedian. Quite camp. Quite naughty. He liked a little bit of leather sometimes, but he had... He had Fanny the Wonder Dog. That's right, yeah. Didn't he call himself the Prince of Mints? Oh, something like that. He, <laughs> he, he was so over the top as being gay that, mm. in fact, he stereotyped us in some ways that not, was not appreciated mm. by some people. Mm. But he was very quiet off stage. I've met him. I met him and he was very quiet. Hardly said a word. There's he a was, lot of comedians that be like that. Yeah, they've and, got their stage uh, persona. It was one of his, um, the the big chap that was his on stage with him when he did his stage Huge shows. Huge Shelley. Huge Shelley. Yeah, that's right. Huge <laughs> was the one that used to carry on. He was the one that was really the the life and soul of any party. Yeah, I, I, I met him back in the nineties or something or other. Back down at the Positive Living Centre, he came down there. You've been around, Gordon. Oh yeah, yeah. Around. And what were they doing? At they were. PLC? He was performing at the Hermage or one of the or the the Princess or something yeah. rather. And of course, being gay, and he knew about the Positive Living Centre and the way the way the way that uh, Australia was handling the AIDS crisis. Um, he came down. He donated a, um, quite a bit of money to the thing, and they were able to buy a great big soft leather lounge suite for the. Um, uh, members to sit in, you know, and wow. he was he was very very generous. But as I said, he you could you would be introduced to him, and he'd sort of say, "Oh, hello, how are you?" And that would be about as all he'd say. But uh, huge, would, huge jelly was would go on and carry on. Yeah, it was a very very nice man. Mm. You're with Phil Gordon and Chris. Been there, done that. But here is Isaiah Firebrace on Joy. I can tell by your eyes you want more than this. Can we be much more beyond these sheets? No, I don't, don't want to mess with your head. But my love, it's hard to... A diverse sound for a diverse crowd. Joy 94.9. You're with Gordon, Chris and Phil. Been there, done that. Joy 94.9. On the home stretch, because the clock is ticking over, and, and I'd like to mention at this particular point of time, someone else who is out loud and proud. Very loud, very proud. And who has left his mark on musical theatre and some of these other things for quite a few years now. We're talking about Harvey Fierstein, the US author and actor and writer. Who do we know him or what do we know him from? Well, he could start with a, you could start with Torch Song Trilogy, which he wrote and starred in. Not many of our the, people on, would on know. On the Broadway. That. And then, uh, Tony Sheldon played the part here at the, in Melbourne at the National Theatre. 
and that had a huge season down there. They did bring it back a couple of times. It's a very, very interesting play about one. It's a one-person play, and he's on stage for the whole night with a, with a break, of course, an interval. But it's all about a, the, the, his life in America, in New York, as a gay man. Right. And it's it's a very, very interesting play. Is but, it a... Portrait of his own life? I think it was the portrait of Harvey Fairstein's own life, yeah. I think he wrote it about himself, basically, because he starred in it, wrote it and starred in it, yeah. But it was a, it's a brilliant play. It's very, very clever. And, and it would reflected would have reflected the social environment in which he found time, himself. Yeah. And obviously pre-Stonewall or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So it would have been a very bold coming out story. Yeah, I tell you what, uh, the, watching them uh, when Tony Sheldon did the part, I tell you what, he must have been absolutely worn out at the end of every performance or be on such a high that he wouldn't be able to go to sleep for hours. You know, it was a brilliant, brilliant um, play. But he was also he also wrote the book for La Caja Foll. All right, yeah. The musical uh, from the he wrote that from the original French film, uh, which was in black and white, which was no music. It was just called La Cage Fall, and it was the story of the two men and the the son and the son getting married and the and all the rest of it. The, the but he's, he's done a lot. He did Kinky Boots. Yeah, he wrote Kinky Boots as well. Oh, the modern one. Yeah, yeah he, he wrote he wrote the story to Kinky Boots, and wow. uh, and uh, Cindy Lauper wrote the music. And that got Tony Awards on Broadway. He's had he's won so many Tony Awards. It's not funny for his shows. He wrote yeah. he wrote it for the he wrote he won a Tony for the Book of La Caja Fall. He wrote, won Tony Awards for Torchlong Trilogy. He was in Mrs Doubtfire. Yes, he was. Did definitely. Robin Williams make up to turn him into Mrs Doubtfire? And he's got that gravelly, yeah, unique voice. Yeah. And the highlight of his career, I have to say was playing a character called Carl on The Simpsons. <laughs> Carl was Homer's assistant. He got him promoted to senior management, hmm. and Homer had enough money to buy a bottle of hair treatment to, get his, <laughs> to stop his bald head. And that gave him extra success, got all the way to the top until Bart spilt the bottle in the carpet. What happened? And it all collapsed from there. <laughs> Actually, Mr. Smithers discovered that Homer had claimed it on the company's health insurance. Oh, no. And that put the flags up and the battle was on. And yeah. poor Carl, who didn't disguise his voice at all, it was Harvey Feierstein. Just he had to leave. The gravelly voice. And Homer, you see at the end, Homer's, it looks like he's reading a note. And you hear Harvey's voice, you know, off screen, you know, as, as if it's Homer reading it. And then the camera pans back. And it's Carl standing next to Homer reading his note. <laughs> Gorgeous. No, it's wonderful that we've got these examples uh, over 20, 30, 40 years showing the development of the gay community and the general acceptance that these plays gender to the community. You need the examples out there to realise that you're not the only gay in the village or that, in fact, what might be abnormal to some people it really in fact is normal our lives are normal boringly normal yeah what it, it is too we wake up in the morning we get dressed we go to work we go uh, might go out and to have a drink after work or meet some friends after work go home go to bed the whole life continues the fact is we don't all drive around in a bus called priscilla oh don't we i don't i've got a jazz <laughs> it's a bit smaller <laughs> I get it. I got in the bus this morning, and I didn't think it was called Priscilla, but it was full of teenage girls going to school. Oh, and there right. was Gordon on the top with his long silver blowing <laughs> <laughs> yes. in the wind, singing something from opera. Yes. <laughs> I don't think there's too many trees overgrown. Look at the overhead wires, and yeah. oh, what would you do with tram lines? <laughs>
That could be fatal. <laughs> I could be. Yeah, that used to be the same with the with the when we had the Moomba parade with all those big um, floats. They, they all had, had to be, be built to a height, didn't they? To a certain height, so they would get under the tram lines. Yeah, yeah. Would have been more entertaining to watching them burn <laughs> or get <laughs> get electrocuted. <laughs> Harvey Fierstein was talking about his U.S. life. I understand, Gordon, that you might have actually spoken to Alan Hollinghurst yes. from the UK. Yes, I've spoken to Alan Hollinghurst with one when he had he wrote a brilliant novel about a family over a period of several generations and, and the way the, the older one was talking about the previous it was a strange book because the second generation spoke about the first generation then it went on that the third generation spoke about the second generation the fourth that it, yeah. was, it was very very interesting the way it worked and it and he's a very interesting man to talk to too he's gay but did mm. he wrap that into his story oh yes all his stories had gay characters in them uh, the one that he had uh he wrote the swimming pool party, and he wrote oh, I forget the book that he wrote about the the life in the uh, Margaret Thatcher era, and the gay guy went to live in a family of of, of Thatcher supporters, mm. and uh, what what had happened there. Yeah. Now, for those who don't know, Margaret Thatcher was sort of an extreme right winger. <gasps> oh God, so far to the right. Not a nice lady. Hmm. Shut down the coal mines. She, she shut down all the coal mining industry, and she shut down all sorts of things. And she she was going down the gurgler, and she decided that she would go and fight the Argentinians in the uh, Falklands War, and that re re-established her as a tough lady. So they voted for her back again. The what do they call her? The Iron Maiden. The Iron, 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 Iron Lady. Iron lady. Mm. George Negus interviewed her once, and he said, "People are saying you're not doing something right." Yeah. I don't remember the quote. And she said, "Oh." Who are these people? Name names, please. Ooh. She was that much of a brick wall to yeah. face. Oh, yes, if, you, if, you, if people have been saying these things about me, who are they? Name yeah. them. Yes. <laughs> Otherwise, don't mention it. <laughs> and they actually made a series of it on television, which was shown on the ABC. It was right. very well done. Alan Hollinghurst, poet. That's a very old-fashioned oh, yeah. Yeah, old yeah. way of writing. He came out here for the Melbourne uh, Writers' Festival one year, mm. and um, because he was gay, we were able to get him to come in and have a chat. In? Yeah. He came in here. He was in Joy, yeah, up in Studio One. I'm a poet. Yeah. The one from, was the very, from Nantucket. And, and, and he, I had a chat with him for about oh, 20 minutes, I suppose, and he, he then had to leave, and he went down to the ABC, and I listened to his bit on the ABC, and he got about three minutes. Oh, just because you're a gas bag? No, just because he was enjoying himself. I think you know, <laughs> that was the thing. Because I was had with read, family. Yeah, I had read the book and I knew what I was talking about, and, and uh, it was a safe space. Yeah, and he loved it. Yeah, I understand that the uh, the village people, a couple of guys from that who were in the studios last week, they arrived for a, a five minute interview. Yeah, that'll be and stayed space. for over an hour, oh. not necessarily all on air, but once again they were in a safe space, a comfortable space, and well, we're really non-threatening. Well, of course well, we, we are. We don't. We're we don't threaten anybody. But we're a lot more flexible than commercial radio. Too. Oh yeah. Well, of course they don't. We, we've got more time to sort of um, think about things and talk about things if we can. Mind you, that they you, you try to keep things so that they're they're current, but sometimes it just disappears off into other worlds and if the if a gay topic comes up it's not taboo it's not taboo no you can talk about it anything they like but I, I must i have to admit that i was watching the football show on the offsiders on the abc on the weekend on sunday morning sunday yeah. morning on the weekend and they were talking about the controversy about margaret court yeah. and should they rename the 
thing, the, 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 the arena. I don't think they should because she is a great, she was a great tennis player. She still holds the, yeah. the record for the most number of women's titles won. And I think Venus Williams is still two behind her, you know, and Venus is getting older. So not to say that she's ever going to pass her. So Margaret was a, was an absolute phenomenon on the tennis court. They were talking about that and the, everyone on that panel said, we all in this studio, we all support equal marriage. He said, so it's a bit of a, thing when you get somebody that's in the sporting field that comes out like that. They were very, very supportive of, um, of equal marriage on that mm. show, and I thought, well, good on you. We could give her some more awards if she likes, mm. like her favourite bigot of 2017. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's an award but somewhere. She's, but she's allowed to speak. She's allowed to say what she thinks, uh, because that's the freedom of speech that we have here in Australia. But sometimes... It doesn't sort of gel with the general public anyhow. No. You know, because like 72% is the latest or was the latest thing I read, although I believe it's going up a bit. The approval factor for... for the approval factor for uh, equal marriage. Mm. Um, well, so it is equal rights. It is equal and rights I as well. I tried to point out to News Court on the project last week that why is it okay to make people feel less accepted or less part of the community mm. than anyone else? Mm. And she didn't have an answer for that. Well, there's no, there is no well, answer. <laughs> And it was interesting too last week that uh, in Taiwan they have introduced equal, equal marriage, marriage in rights Taiwan. There. Yeah. So there's another country. It's, it's a little island, but boy, there's a lot of people there, and they they did it. And, and as I said a few weeks well, ago, they get accepted across the ditch into yeah. mainland China, will they? No. Well, I think that would be very very good for them because there would be it would stop their um, population growth a little bit. I think you know. <laughs> I'm not sure what you really mean, Gordon. <laughs> well, I think it might be time for us to go. <laughs> how many billion people are there in China at the moment? That's you know? right. Yeah. Well, you're doing your bit, yes, aren't you? That's right. Well, that's what the you're taking is. one of the men out of the population. Oh, well, I've taken one of the men out of the population. Yes, that's true. I think he was out before you came along. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think he was. Yeah. Lily Allen says it's not fair, and we agree with we her. We agree when but it comes to we'll equal marriage. We'll see you next week. So, thanks for being with us. Bye, Bye for, for now. now. Bye. Bye. Oh, yes, you're on Joy. Been there. Done that. Joy 94.9. Oh, he treats me with respect. He says he loves me all the time. He calls me 15 times a day. He likes to make sure that I'm fine. You know, I've never met a man who's made me feel quite so secure. He's not like all them other boys. They're all so dumb and immature. That's just one thing. Thank you for listening to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.